just thank you for your word. Lord, right now there are people who are hurting. The, the world we live in is not free of pain. It's not free of problems. It's not free of stuff that weighs us down. So, Lord, we, we struggle. There are those that, Lord, all of us here are just broken vessels. But, Lord, you are the master. You are the master potter. You are the, the, the master who can use what you've created for your glory. And we pray that you would use your, your perfect word, your word that breathes life, the word that changes, the word that, Lord, can, can free us from our guilt and shame because of who you are. Thank you so much, and I pray that you would use your words this morning to speak, speak clearly and to define you and to help us to be wise and discerning that we wouldn't be confused in which the day we live. So, Lord, we thank you, and we ask for your blessing. We ask for your help and your spirit to teach us now as we read your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jude, let's look at, and as we read it, I pray that you pray, be in prayer as we read and as we discuss it, that God would use His Word to help us this morning. Jude, in verse 1 it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, so he's talking to believers, beloved in God the Father and kept for Christ Jesus. I love that. Speaks to our eternal. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, when He saves us, it's forever. Right? He doesn't do things halfway. Praise the Lord. Verse 2, it says, may, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unannounced who long ago were uh, designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. It's an interesting introduction, isn't it? He's like, we have been called by God. We've been saved by God. We have a Savior. Hallelujah, right? What a Savior who saved us once and for all from our sin that we can enjoy forever. And he goes, I want to write that to you, but I, I need to stop and I need to warn you that we need to contend for the faith because people are coming in to take you away from enjoying that mercy, that peace, that love that should be multiplied because of our salvation. But that's not the state in which we live many times. Because there's people that distract us from who God is and, and we're distracted from God's word and we're distracted from learning about God. It's what Satan desires, it's one of his schemes, is to get people to distract and to create disunity. 
I want you to see that, that, that contending. You know, that's the word for agonizing. To agonize over, to, to agonize to accomplish a task, to contend for what God has given you. It's, it's the idea of a marathon runner that agonizes to the very end. I, I, I knew a guy that, um, he's, a, he's a missionary to South Africa, and, and he runs these 100-mile marathons. And I'm like, you're, you're, there's something twisted about you. <laughs> uh, he's like, well, come. He, he was discipling me, and, and he, was, he was working with me, and, and uh, he was not only my track coach, but he was, he was my uh, discipler and helping teaching me who God is and theology and, and how to speak to Mormons when they come to, come to our front door and, and all of these things. But in order to run with him, I, he would run 50 miles and then I would drive to a certain point and wait for him to get there and then I would start running with him. I would join him halfway through his run and I would, you know, after about three or four miles, I would say, okay, that was good, see you later. But he would, he would agonize to the very end. And suddenly I was amazing as I began to learn about him. I would complain about stuff and he'd be like, and I was like, well, why do you only have, like, your one, one of your calves is bigger than the other. And he goes, oh, I don't have that calf on that side. It got, ripped. It got torn, and they had to remove it. He was running 100 miles on one calf. Like, he had the, I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, he, and I learned the, the perseverance or the agonizing to, to contend for something. I learned a different way to think. That's what Jude is saying here as he's speaking to the church and he's like, guys, we need to contend for the faith. We need to not ignore what's really being said. We need to know what is true and focus on what is true. So last week, we, the last couple of weeks, we talked about the heretic. The heretic is the person who teaches his own opinion, blatantly contradicting God's word. He doesn't really care more about this. He cares more about his opinion. We talked then about the charlatan. The charlatan is there for personal gain. We have people like that in churches all around the world where they're there for their own personal gain. Uh, I can think about the the Pope that instituted indulgences uh, during Martin Luther's era. They they need they wanted to rebuild the 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 uh, St. Peter's basilica right and so they introduced like if you pay us we'll pray we'll pray and forgive you that's how they raised all their money to build the vatican the charlatan the prophet the the false prophet claims to be gifted by god and gifted with divine authority that he uses it in a way to intimidate people and say well i have something that you don't so you need to listen to me I'm more important than you because I can hear directly from God. And, and they do that, and, they, and they, they have divine new personal revelation, and they distract, and they take everybody away from what God is saying. And they, they say, you need to listen to me because I have divine encouragement. I can encourage you the way nobody else can encourage you. Everything becomes about them, and it becomes less about God. And that comes to a new one that might, you're like, okay, the abuser. The first thing comes to mind, 
everything has been happening in churches around the world with whether it's the it doesn't matter really anymore what church there's people that have come in and and whether it's abuse of of uh, of affairs or it's abuse of kids or there's all sorts of different abuses that have come into the church and there are people that come in that are false teachers and they look what they look like is is there an abuser the abuser is this he's he uses his position of leadership to take advantage of other people by making an ungodly lifestyle seem good this is what an abuser really is it's more than just being abusive in a, in a sexual, lustful type way who, who wants to, to gain something in, in a lustful way that's thinking about sensuality. It's more than that. They actually pervert it in such a way that they take what is ungodly and they make it look good. That's what an abuser does. And Jude is saying, look, you guys need to be weary of this. Look at verse 4, it says certain people have crept in unannounced. You know, crept in, they've, they've done the army crawl, you know, maybe they've gone under the chairs, you didn't even see them, you didn't even notice that they're there. And as we go through these portraits, you might be surprised as you go through that, uh, some of your books or some of the stuff, and you realize like, man, some of these people have found their way into my bookshelf. I do have a special spot in my office, uh, a bookshelf for some of these people. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's in my theology section that has to do with hell. <laughs> I just, I was like, where am I going to put all these books? So I put it there. <laughs> I didn't want people to think that I agreed with all these people, but I have their books to see what they believe so I can explain to people. When I hear people say, hey, pastor, this person is, is really becoming popular. Do you know about them? And so I, I go read their books. And I, so then I can say, well, this is what they believe. So I have my special section for them, so there's no confusion. <laughs> I don't put them next to Christ. So, <laughs> but this is what they do. And here's the thing. Peter said it in our text in 2 Peter 2 when we were studying in 2 Peter. He said, many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, many will blaspheme the way, or the way will be blasphemed. The way of Christ will be blasphemed. In your text, if you're reading the New King James or some of your other ones, they talk about lewdness in the ESV, which I'm reading. It says sensuality in verse 4, and that they've, they've perverted the grace of our God into sensuality. The Greeks, in their day in history, they, they defined lewdness or sensuality as a disposition of a soul, right? That's an attitude, um, it's a disposition of a soul that resents all discipline. That's how they use this word. And they, they, it was represented as a spirit that acknowledges no restraints, uh, dares, what, uh, dares whatsoever is caprice or wanton, uh, insolent. They would suggest it. Kind of sounds like the day we live in. There's no authority. There's no, it's like a disposition for uh, get rid of all discipline. Whatever you want to do that's good for you, just do it. And nobody can tell you otherwise. It's not, that comes from our society. 
And here's the, the mark, and it's kind of redundant, but this is what it's saying. When Jude says in verse 4 that it says that they pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and they deny our only master, Lord, Savior, this is basically what they're saying. They elevate what is ungodly to manipulate people to think that it's good. I was watching some videos. I was going to try to show you some video clips, and I just deemed that they were too pornographic to even show them from you. And I'm not talking about clips from our world. I'm talking about worship services at so-called churches. Um, it looked like a burlesque show, or, and it was the song, Holy Night. They took Oh Holy Night, and they took Christmas songs, and they turned it into a burlesque show. Talking about Hillsong. Hillsong is a movement. It's not a church. It's a movement. They've taken uh, something essential and they've turned it and they've made people think it's so good. They elevate and they manipulate in such a way that now what people used to think is ungodly, they think, oh, this is so moving, it's so cool, and it, it is so, so, it's so brilliant. The word in to pervert means to transpose. It means to flip it completely over. It's like this. Let me give you an example of what I mean by transposing. It's like a dyslexic atheist who claims that there is no dog. If you're dyslexic, you know what I'm talking about. When I read God, I have to be very careful sometimes. When I'm tired, I have said dog when I've read God. Because my brain transposes. It flips things. But that's what it's saying. Do you notice in verse 4, in Jude 4, look at the text. It says, these people have come in, these ungodly people, and they have crept in, and they, those who have transposed, they've perverted, they've transposed the grace of our God into sensuality. Right? The... These fellows turn grace into lewdness or no discipline at all. Grace is all about what God has done for us. It's all about God. It's all about, it's despite what we deserve, we deserve hell. We deserve to pay for our sins. But God's grace is entered in by the cross of Christ, by the work of Christ, by saving us from our sins. So he's given us what we don't deserve. But they've taken God's grace and they've, flipped it on the other side and said, now you can just, that's what an abuser is. They take the concept of grace and abuse it, using it as a reason to continue to live without discipline, to live whatever lifestyle they want. It's creeping in. It's um, things that were unimaginable just 10 years ago. People would just like, no, that'll never happen. It's happening today. And it's going into the church. Not, I'm saying that as a, as a warning for us to be discerning. Just as Jude said, we need to contend for the faith. By the way, Paul, in Romans, Paul mentions the fact that some people were accusing Paul of this very thing. He says in Romans 3.8, he says, And why not do evil that good may come? They were saying, Paul, you're preaching that we can have grace so we can do evil things. Because we have grace, we can do evil things. And, 
And he goes, as some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we Jews better off? No, not at all, for we are already charged that all, that both Greek and Jews are under sin. As is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one, no one understands. No one seeks God. And he quotes Isaiah. He's saying, and he goes on, and he, he goes on on this big, long preaching session about grace and sin. And he goes on to Romans 6.15. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? Because we have God's grace? Because he's given us something we don't deserve? Should we just sin? And he goes in verse 16, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either a sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness? He's saying, look, we either can be a slave to grace, which we need to live by grace, or we can be a slave to our sin. Grace doesn't mean that God likes everything that we do, but some preach that. It doesn't mean that God is always happy with us. Read uh, Hebrews chapter 12. He disciplines us, right? There are consequences for our choices, but we, ha- we can go directly back to God and receive grace. We can seek his forgiveness. It doesn't mean that the consequences and the discipline doesn't come. He trains us. He loves us. I like what Romans 5, or Romans 8, verses 5 through 8. You hear Romans 8, 1 all the time. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? We hear it all the time, and, and, a lot, and the abuser will preach that one verse, but they'll never read the rest, which says, for those, in verse 5, it says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh. That's the abuser. They abuse the flesh. They abuse God's grace. And on things that are the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Do you see the exact opposite? But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the Spirit. For to set your mind on the, on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. That's what we want. We don't want... The abuser comes in and says... Look, we can do all these great things and it feels good. Right? It's like a it's almost like they're inoculating you with a drug to get to arouse your emotions and to get you to focus on your flesh to the point now where you're no and it, you don't see Christ anymore. You don't have peace that comes from the Lord. That peace that surpasses all understanding through Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't ever underestimate that through Christ Jesus. It's not through our emotions, it's not through our flesh, but it's through Christ. The idea in the ancient world when it comes to sensuality, to lewdness, the idea is, is that sin that is practiced without shame. I saw the interview of um, Brian Houston, Brian and Bobby who is in charge of Hillsong's and they're laughing about sinful things. There is no shame in, in, their, in their demeanor, in their disguise. And it was just, just gut-wrenching to see it. To know that what Jude is describing in this text actually exists. And people don't see it. 
By the way, their lifestyle is a denial of the Lord. The abuser, it says there that the grace, they, they pervert the grace of God, they abuse the grace of God and turn it into sensuality, denying the only master and Lord Jesus Christ. It's like a drug. A drug wears off, right? Some of us have back issues. Some of us praise the Lord for medicine. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it gets me out of bed in the morning and sometimes it doesn't. I praise the Lord for stretches and, and I praise the Lord for ways to counteract pain. But the thing is, is here's the thing, is, is drugs wear off, don't they? When the drug wears off, what do you do? Go back for more. Hillsong is bankrolling, man. They've, they have inoculated people with this sensual-type drug, and now they just people keep going back and back for more of that emotion, that feeling. They have to have it, because when they don't have it, guess what they don't have? Peace, joy, long-suffering, the fruit of the Spirit. They've denied the Lord, and the things of the Lord aren't there. They deny the Lord. Titus uh, chapter 1, verse 16, it says, They profess to know God, but in the works, in their lifestyle, they deny Him being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. You notice that so many times I hear, but pastor, that, that's so good. That, that sounds good, or that looks good, or that, 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 those words are good, but their life disqualifies them from every good work. That was kind of convicting this week as I was reading that. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Right? They deny the Lord with their life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Remember what happened? Peter, the, the Jews came in and said, you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul's like, what in the world do you do? That's not salvation. That's not the gospel. That's not about Jesus Christ. That's about going back to the old sacrificial law. And Peter came down and the, and the, and the Judaizers were there. And Peter said, oh, I'm going to just eat with the Jews. And his choice, Paul called him out on it. You're denying Christ. Here's the apostle Peter getting called out by Paul. Paul opposed Peter because his conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Okay, so Paul, Peter abused God's grace at that point. But Paul corrected it. And guess what Peter did? Go back to Acts 13 and Acts 15. Guess what? He stood up before everybody and proclaimed the gospel as being the gospel, and you don't need the law. Peter corrected it, didn't he? Praise the Lord. He humbled himself and he went back to grace and God elevated Peter. And now we have 2 Peter. Do you think he knows what he's talking about? Yeah. By the way, the abuser claims that he's tending, he's helping people, and his true interest, but his true interest is just basically to get what he can get out of the flesh. By the way, this should be familiar. Galatians chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. Listen to what God's word says. It says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. 
who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. They don't want to talk about the cross. They don't want to talk about Jesus and sin because they're going to be persecuted. They only want to elevate the flesh. Right? And they want you to join them. Look at verse 13. It says, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire for you to be circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Brian Houston's like, look at all of our followers. Look how excited they are. Look how they dance around. And he glorifies in what everybody else is doing. But he himself doesn't follow God and he follows his flesh. It's pretty amazing. But look at, we read it this morning in Sunday school, that verse 14, he goes on to say, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of Christ. The abuser will always boast in the flesh. The abuser will always, his lifestyle will take him away from the Lord. He denies the Lord. Hillsong is the prime example of, of the abuser. Because they take something that is so sensual, so ungodly, and they flip it over, they pervert God's grace, and they make you think that it's so good. If you actually study the movement, Hillsong's movement, you'll see that they get you now to worship the emotions and feelings of man. You focus more on man than you do on God. They've confused. Let me give you an idea. Here's a Here's a professor from a secular college writing about Hillsong. He says, They have an uncanny ability to tailor their message to their particular audience, to gain the audience they want. The, the, the Hillsong's mega pastors will tell you that the music is the key to finding their audience. This is coming from an unsaved secular person from Dartmouth College. He goes on to say, he cautions the churchgoers to get the full picture of the place that they're worshiping in. He says, yes, it's a hip, easygoing veneer, but it hides the very message, the fundamental message of the Bible. I get a little bit worked up about it because this is our Savior that they are distorting the divider. Ultimately, the abuser... Now, by the way, just a caveat to remind, all of these portraits of these false teachers, many of them have the different traits. There's not just one person that fits just one mold. There's a lot of cross-intersectionality. They're constantly going in and out. Hillsong divides. Bethel divides. The NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, divides. It takes away from God. It focuses more on the flesh and less on God. The divider uses false teaching to disrupt people so that they move away from sound biblical teaching. They disrupt. That's God's, that was Satan's plan all along. Let's make people think that all the denominations are at fault rather than looking at the false teachers that have created the disunity and the division. 
that have gotten people away from focusing on who God is. Because when, the more we focus on God, what happens? The more we draw near to God, we draw near, He draws near to us, and thus, we all draw near together. If you've been in marriage counseling, that should sound familiar. The only way two incompatible people can become compatible is the focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you decide to divorce an incompatible person, guess the only option is another incompatible person. I'll tell you right now, there's no one here compatible for each other. God makes all things compatible. And the divider takes you away from that which truly does unite. Now, I have disagreed on different biblical understandings with some people, even people in our church. But we go, we have, we draw near to God together. We never fight. If our goal is to draw near to God, we're like, I just, I don't understand your viewpoint. I don't understand your viewpoint. But this is what I see God telling me, and and we go at it sometimes. But we draw, and we can do it in a healthy way because it draw, we're focusing on God and not our opinion. Because my, my brother and sister in Christ is more important than my opinion. God's word is more important than my opinion. His whole goal is to disrupt. Look at Jude 18. Jude 18 says this. He says... They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers, followers of their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. They are not producing the works of the Spirit. They are worldly minded. They think more about the things of the world than they think about the things of God. They, They try to introduce the things of the world as godly things. They kind of are an offshoot of the abuser. They're the ultimate outcome of the abuser. If you stay in the abuse long enough, if, you, if you're a false teacher as an abuser, eventually he'll become a divider. And by the way, did you notice that? They are devoid of what? They're not saved. They don't belong to God. That's literally in the Greek what it's saying. Here is this plain and simple truth. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They claim to, but they don't. By the way, did you know what the number one thing that the Holy Spirit does? Unites us with who? Christ. Unites us with Christ and it unites us with God. And these people don't do that. They draw away people from God. As a believer, we can never lose our salvation. We read that. It says that we are called the beloved of God, the Father who kept who keeps us for Christ Jesus. We're kept continually. That's a that's a long-term keeping. It doesn't stop. The abuser and the divider. There that's what the false teachers are. And we unwilling, unwittingly, they've crept in. And if you, if you come to realize that you've allowed, a, a, that's okay. 
what do you do with it now? Right? Because I have started to follow. I've told you. I remember when somebody in my family gave me a Rob Bell DVD and said, oh, this is great. You should use it for youth ministries. And I got excited. I was like, this material looks really good. And I got all excited. And about two years down the road, I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait. This guy is not talking about God anymore. He's talking about himself more than he ever talks about God. I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm following somebody I shouldn't. I told the Lord, oh, man. I, I, I repented. I said, man, I'm sorry, Lord. And I put him on the shelf and I put God as my primary source again. It happens to the best of us. What you do with it now matters. Once you know that it's not true. How do we identify with these false teachers? What do we do when we identify them? How do we identify them? How do we know? How do we not get drawn into the trap? How do we become more discerning? Well, it's in our text right here. Look at verse 20. But you, I like that, but you, beloved. Right? Don't be like all these other guys. But look what he says. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. You see that? We must continually build up, contend for the faith. Put your faith and trust in Christ. Build up who God is in your life. The more you focus on God and the more you rejoice and are like, man, what a Savior, you're going to be blinded to the false teachers. You're going to be like, I don't even need to acknowledge them. They don't, they don't get, you don't get sucked into their traps. You build up your faith. You and it, by the way, most holy faith, that's a faith that's been set apart for you by God. Right? Go back to 1 Peter 1 and 2 Peter 1. It tells you about the faith that God gave you and all the things that He has for you and how to build it up and to, to live in godliness. We must continually pray. That means entering into fellowship with God, talking with God continually. Not the way the false teachers tell you to pray with repetitions and, you know, they get you to enter into these trance, to let go of yourself and all of that kind of stuff. No, to actually enter into a, a mindful, truthful conversation with God, knowing who God is and talking to Him. Like Job, right? Did he understand what was going on in his life? No. Did he ask God? Yes. Did he praise God? Yes. Did he like what was going on? No. Did it hurt? Yes. Did he love God? Yes. He entered into fellowship with God in the hardest times of his life. That'll keep us away from false teachers. We must continually long for the coming of Jesus Christ. What are you longing for right now? Is it the, you know, is it lunch or I'd rather be with Christ right now. I don't, I don't need to deal with bad back. I don't need to deal with animals. I don't, I don't need to deal with anything but worshiping Christ and thanking Him for my salvation. That's better than any roast or DQ something, right? I don't know. The burgers always make my stomach hurt. Any burger, by the way, does, even if I make it. I don't know. I'm raising beef, and beef hurts me. I don't understand it, but... <laughs> So here's the thing, is this, man, I'd rather be with Christ. What do you long for? What, is, what are you worrying about tomorrow? Is it, about, is it about when Christ comes? 
Christ could come tomorrow. I do worry about when I'm driving sometimes if Christ comes. It's like, I pray, so, I do. I, sometimes I think about it. My mind works that way sometimes. Or, Lord, if you take me now, please pull my car over to the side of the road. <laughs> and I, and I, I think about that. And then I think, well, Lord, why is it going to matter? You're going to judge everybody. I was like, I don't know. I just, my theology just starts going through my mind. I just, I, I war with myself. But I do. I think about it. Christ is coming. It helps me not to think about the sensual, fleshly things. Last one. For some reason, oh, I hit the wrong button. The last one here is this. We must continually, what? Share the, continually witness to others. All of these things are God-focused, Christ-focused. Guys, we have the gospel. Stop worrying about people that flaunt the flesh and that's like, look at all these emotions. Look to Christ. This church grows because you share Christ, not because we throw a dance party on the stage. I hope you would run if we did that. Run! I... Went to a camp and I was asked to come sit in to help out at a camp. And I come and one night I hear some crazy loud music and I walk into this dorm or this cabin and they're jumping around in their underwear with glow sticks. With and we're on the guy in a guy's cabin with guys and girls. And the leaders are in there jumping up and down. I'm like, what? I just yelled, what on earth are you doing? It's like, people go and die at these kind of parties. We had to take kids to the, the nurse because they had glass in their eye from the glow sticks. We had, I mean, I'm like, I just, I, it disgusted me because... We're at a Christian camp to glorify God and they're dancing around like some thing that we would read in the Old Testament on the hill in, an, in a rave type fashion. Guys, this creeps in. Praise the Lord, I have sensitive hearing in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock. In the, this is what's going on at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I, and I mean, there was counselors there. There were other directors there. I'm not talking about just, there was just not a bunch of teenagers being stupid. This is leaders putting it on. How does that share the gospel? Oh, by the way, I've got good news now that we got to go take you to the ER because you got glass in your cornea. I got good news. Jesus loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. That just doesn't make sense after you just jumped around naked with a bunch of girls and guys. It does not make sense. It turns something that is sensual into something they say it's good and fun, but it is not Christ. It is out there. That's why I like Camp Gilead. They, they, they can do fun things. Glow sticks aren't bad but you can use them wrong, <laughs> right? Music is not bad, but you can use it wrong. 
right? Being filled with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, is not wrong, but it can be used wrong. We have a Savior, Christ the Lord, who died on the cross for our sins. He is, according to the scripture, He is crucified and rose again and is now seated at the right hand throne of God. Our Lord, our Savior. Let's witness to others. Let's have a party in heaven together because of what the Savior has done. Let's not live in the flesh. Let's bring life to people. Dancing around on the stage is not life. It's just a distraction. Let's bring life. Will you help me? We need to preach the gospel, the good news, to as many as we can, to bring life to as many as we can. Let's pray.